Welcome to episode 118 of Shellen on Batman. Me and Justin here are joined by our special guest, Mario, to talk about the various potential castings of Batman and Superman. All right, so welcome back, Mario. We're glad to have you back. Like, this is what, your fourth or fifth time on the podcast? This is actually my third time, so can you please oh, demonstrate? Really? Yeah. Damn. We yeah. already... We're already screwing this up. and May, Maybe there's seconds. someone else that you wish was on more frequently and you're just settling for me. That's why you went for four or five. <laughs> but you've only asked me. This is my third time, young man. Uh, I'm not that much younger. And it's Mr. Shanlin now, sir. Mr. <laughs> Shanlin. It is Mr. Sh I am now a teacher. That's true. Certification. A teacher of the children. I know. They, if they listen to this, it's over. This man is responsible <laughs> for our youth now. What's going on? It's over. They're like, this fool? We hired this guy? He just talks about Batman? <laughs> they, and they go back to, they're going to fire me faster than James Gunn. They're like, oh. going to go through my tweets. And be like, Batman, 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 get him out of here. Hey, <laughs> Um. So welcome back to the podcast for the, the third time, the Trinity. Good to be back. So... You've been a busy, busy boy with all these articles. You oh. went on like a vacation for a week and then like one, two punch like Conor McGregor, just boom, boom, boom <laughs> with these articles, sir. And yeah. like, you have that big Batman one, but we kind of kind of like not talk about Batman first. We got to talk about this Henry Cavill, Man of Steel 2 situation. That's been Ooh, yes. And I do want to preface that when we start into this, that I feel that Henry Cavill is at the is at the table playing some poker and he is overcompensating his hand and Warner Brothers can see his tell and are just not are not moving. So if you want to elaborate on that if you will. Yeah, well it's actually it's it's actually kind of funny that you make a poker metaphor or a poker comparison here because I did the very same thing on my uh, the fanboy podcast two episodes ago. I literally compared it to a game of poker where like he has a decent hand, but it's nowhere near what he thinks it is. Like he has like he has two pair. You know what I mean? Which is a decent hand. That, that that'll beat some other hands, but it's not that strong. And essentially what's going on here is you got Warner Brothers, you got Henry Cavill, and they have two totally different sort of sets of priorities. So for Henry and his team, they're trying to set him up like he's this A-lister now. Like, listen, this is Superman. This is the face of the franchise. He's the king of superheroes, and he's been playing this role for five years, and his deal is up. So we, you got to treat this man with the proper respect. You got to give him a raise, and he wants you know, influence and say on who the director is and how the script plays out. And he has all these ideas, and he wants to make sure that this film happens in you know his particular way way and so on and so forth then you have warner brothers looking at it like listen we love you henry but the the fact of the matter is you know man of steel batman v superman and justice league your three appearances thus far as the character none of which exactly lit the light lit, lit the world on fire you know man of steel did pretty well but as we know man of steel uh, um batman v superman rather was sort of like you know it didn't quite do what they wanted and the critics didn't like it and it didn't hit its full box office you know potential and then obviously justice league wouldn't even have to go into justice league so they're looking at him as almost a sort of unknown quantity. We don't know what to make of you, Henry, because we like you and the fans seem to like you, but none of your movies are exactly changing the world. You, know, you're, you don't seem to have necessarily become that quintessential Superman of the generation that you seem to think you are. So it's like they want him back, but they're not going to budge. They're not going to bend over backwards to keep him. And meanwhile, he seems to be coming into this feeling like he's God's gift to this role. He's like, listen, I'm in Mission Impossible Fallout and there's all this buzz around me and look at all this. And on Instagram, everyone always freaks out whenever I mention Superman and all this. And it's like, you know, Warner Brothers is very tepid 
at these negotiations and he's sort of overplaying his hand and he doesn't seem to realize how he's teetering on the edge of the studio just being like you know what we're basically rebooting batman we can reboot superman too so if you're going to make this difficult on us then fine then goodbye and we'll start over again because we don't really know what to make of you anyway and the way he's negotiating is putting warner brothers in a kind of a bad spot because the, he's negotiating in the press and he's not Robert Downey Jr. He's not Ben Affleck. He's not Christian Bale. I love Henry Cavill as Superman. I really do. He is a phenomenal actor. He's a better man. He, he loves Kansas city Royals and chiefs. He goes to their games. He, you know, he is all about the life. I mean, his dog's name's Kal-El. Yep. Like, there's so much that I love about Henry Cavill, but he's not there yet. Now, if 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 this film, uh, Mission Impossible, Fallout, that's the name of it, right? Fallout? Yep. I just call it, the, I can't remember. They're at, like, <laughs> MI6. Mission, Impossible, MI6. Mission Impossible 83 or something at this point. <laughs> um, it's, it's doing amazing at the box office. It's, you know, great, you know, RT score. However, he has put them in such a precarious situation as they were looking like, how is this gonna? How is this movie gonna play out? But it seems like you no. Know, we've talked privately. I don't know if, well, we're gonna talk about it anyway. Since, whatever. We're uh, here. Yeah, we're here. Uh, he wants to put his creative hat on. Now, when I texted you last night or the day or the day before, I said. Here's what if I was Henry Cavill. Here's what I would do. I would I would do a two picture deal. I would say, uh, all right, the first one I'll take. I'll I won't raise my. I, I want a little bit more money, but I'm not going to ask for you know the big the big money bag from you don't have to back up the Scrooge McDuck truck you know just yeah. yet. The second one, if the first one's great, the second one yes. But I do get director approval. I know you don't want to give me creative control. I know you don't want us to, you know, to I can't pick the story, but I have I get director approval. I think if he went to them like that, it would be a safer bet because Warner Brothers, as it sits, like you were saying, you know, they're they can re, they're gonna semi reboot Batman. That's gonna be pretty much a reboot. Um, they can they can do this with Superman as well because. Each Superman film, each time he's played Superman, the the box office numbers have been less and less. Like it hasn't made what you know, Justice League didn't make Man of Steel money. It didn't make BVS money. You know, he was in this movie. He's been in three movies, and each one's been uh, received worse. It hasn't made the money back. So, for some reason, his Superman isn't catching fire with mainstream audiences. We love him. We think he's a great actor. We think he's a great Superman. And, you know, there's an argument to be had that, you know, the material hasn't been there for him to really shine as the character. However, with that being said, this is a business, right? At the end of the day, this is all about dollars and cents. You're, you have investors that have to that invest hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're not going to keep throwing money at something that's not working. So he's overplaying his hand. To a point where they're putting, they're, he's putting one of those in a precarious situation, where they're like, "We don't have to deal with this. Your Superman hasn't been working. It didn't work in Justice League. You, you kind of, uh, you kind of screwed us with the mustache thing. You know, <laughs> let, let's be honest. He had a hand. He had a role to play in that. He could have shaved it off. You know, that could have been a thing." Um, well, but, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to blame him for that. I feel like, you know, there there was a, a real logistical reason why Paramount said he couldn't. And he I was just sort of caught much. in the middle. He, he could have, he could have, he could have helped the situation. Him, <laughs> I think. I mean, he is, he is an adult. He can, he can, right, Kyle? He's an adult. He's a big boy. He, I feel like he could have, he could have mended that situation a little bit better. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying at this point. As much, I I just don't see him returning to the role because I feel like Warner Brothers is getting turned off by him. 
Well, just to put things into perspective, too, like you know, if, in case anyone listening to this feels like we're being too hard on the box office receipts or we're, we're kind of undermining or whatever the three films he was in. I mean, just to put it into perspective, if those films each broke the bank, if those films each like just went bananas and everyone loved them and the, the, the box office was huge and everyone was they were runaway successes, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. He would get that raise. He would get that extension. And all of this would be a foregone conclusion. So the mere fact that there's even some hardball getting played and that the fact that this isn't just a done deal, black and white, here we go. This goes to show you what the studio thinks about how those films performed, because had they if the studio really felt those films did what they were supposed to do or better then not, we would not be discussing this. Absolutely. Kyle, thoughts? Jump oh, in. yeah, for sure. Um, I, I totally see where Henry Cavill's coming from. With his recent success with Mission Impossible, he definitely, you know, it's a confidence booster in a way. Like he could, he and his agents could probably look at that and say, "Hey, if this DC thing doesn't work out, I'm sure we can look look at this resume here and go somewhere else and make tons of money, make make a good career out of this." You know, James Bond. <laughs> I know, I know his name's been in a, a hot one for that one for a while, so that could be a possibility. You never know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, like like Mario was saying, you know, DC, maybe they're not about that. If we're rebooting one franchise, why not do another one in the process? Boot the two of them together. I mean, those two characters, Batman and Superman, have always been kind of synonymous. So it could kind of both bring them back into two to fold together and just big old happy family. <laughs> And the injustice of this situation also makes it even more complex because it's like, of course, he wants a little bit of creative say because it's pretty clear, you know, the creative direction of his first three films didn't really position him in the best way. You know, what I mean, he, he's already been fairly vocal about this stuff all throughout the lead up to Justice League and another stuff. He has that famous quote where he's like mistakes were made. You know, like he sort of acknowledged that some of the stuff that he's done thus far has not been, you know, was not really the best choice or the best way to represent this character. So naturally, as he's trying to negotiate a new deal, he wants to be able to avoid that from happening again. So it's like, it, it's funny, like I, I totally see this situation from both sides, because of course he wants more power and more say to avoid having the Superman boat come ashore again. But on the other hand, Warner Brothers is looking at the box office figures and the critical results and even like the cinema score on Batman v Superman and Justice League. And they're like, we don't know what to make of you, Henry. So we can't exactly just give you all of this power and money and influence when none of your movies have been a huge hit yet, you know? So it's like both sides have a point. And like I said, I really do want, I, I don't want people to think that I, I don't want Henry back. I do want him back. He is Superman for my generation. Brandon Routh didn't work. And I mean, we can talk about that. You know, Warner Brothers is in this situation where they had Superman Returns not work. Man of Steel, I love, I love it. But there's a segment at the studio who believe you know, maybe it's time to just shelve Superman for a little bit. Let's let's re, retool, rebrand. We've tried this twice now. You know, let's not keep throwing money at a, at, you know, at, you know, you can't keep throwing money at a sinking ship. You know, it's still going to sink. So, well, look here, if I, if I may, to their credit, Warner Brothers does seem to have sort of gotten the idea in their heads finally that Superman is an important character and he needs to be done justice as he is the one of the most famous symbols in all around the all over the world. You know, the S is almost you know, that that S is almost as iconic and well known as the Jesus crucifix. I mean, literally, right. I'm not even kidding. Like, there have been studies on this. Like Superman is an international symbol. And the studio has, you know, according to Jeff Johns, according to sources that I've spoken to, like they are, you know, they want Superman to be big. They are thinking about the character and they want to try to make him, you know, bring him back up to the forefront, bring him up back up to the glory where he deserves. But this Henry situation just further complicates things. You know, so it's like they they want Superman to be big, but they don't want to go crazy breaking the bank and giving Henry too much power. So it's like they're they're in a very tough spot right now. Right now, as it sits and how I look at the situation with Hamada, who I like, I like the things that he's doing. If you look at how he's sort of running the show right now, 
He wants to do smaller budgeted films. He wants, he doesn't want to throw, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, look at what's going to happen with the Joker. The Joker's going to be a small budget film. Shazam, a smaller budget film. Yeah. He has to get everything under control financially, right? Like he's in charge. We can't take these huge risks like that anymore. We have to piecemeal everything back together. And, you know, like if Aquaman doesn't work, if Wonder Woman 84 doesn't work, you know, if Shazam doesn't work, you know, there, I'm sure there's going to be a conversation, you know, uh, where they, all right, we've tried this, we try to fix all this. Maybe we just need to, you know, have a meeting, you know, shut everything down for a couple of years. I mean, if you look at it, like, I know this is kind of, we're jumping a little off topic. But if we look at where Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman are positioned for their premier dates, it's not looking good. It's not looking good because Aquaman's coming out against Bumblebee. It's coming out against what's the uh, there's one other film that's coming well, out. Well, Mary Poppins with. comes out two days prior. Right. And a week prior to that, you have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which I think is gonna do remarkably well. So it's not – it sits right now. It's not positioned. That film isn't – I think it's going to be a huge, massive success. I really do. But the position that – the release date as it is, it's not positioned where it can really take off and Meanwhile, really have those legs. If they just literally did a subtle move back to December 7th, if you look at what's coming out December 7th, there is not a single major studio film. And it gives them the jump on everyone. Like if Aquaman can come out then and suddenly grab pop culture's attention, then suddenly it almost pulls the rug out from under Spider-Man. It pulls the rug out from under Mary Poppins for the family audience. It pulls the rug out from under the Bumblebee audience. Like it really is in their best interest to go to December 7th, where it'll basically open unopposed and beat those other blockbusters to the punch. And I'm sort of mystified that with this new trailer and the new poster, they're doubling down on December 21st. And honestly, right. it's very frustrating. And if you look at it, how they're positioned and with that December 7th, they can have a brand new trailer of Fantastic Beast 2, which comes out in November. They yep. have one other November film, which is The Grinch, that I think is going to be a massive success too. The Illumination version of that, you know, directed by Scott Mosier. That voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Then it's nothing. They're, they can have, they can put a trailer for Aquaman, a brand new trailer for Aquaman in front of Fantastic Beasts 2. Let that, you know, get that percolated up. You know, just right as it sits, that those films aren't positioned for to be as successful. If you look where Shazam's positioned, it's right before, you know, next year's Marvel slate. And then Wonder Woman 84 is right, is kind of at the tail end of all that. So they aren't positioning these films correctly. So with that being said, back to the Henry Cavill thing, they, Hamada, and, and the since he's been in charge, he wants to, let's not keep throwing hundreds of millions of dollars of our investors. Well, money. hang on. I'm going to interject one more time because that's just what I do. I know it's your okay. show, but you're going to have no, to go with it. it. You invited me on. I know. Um, you know, like Walter, like Hamada's hiring was not, it's not a coincidence that he comes from New Line. It's not a coincidence that a lot of his success comes from horror films. And what do horror films do? They get a lot out of a little. They have low budgets, high concepts, and they tend to sell really well. And the, mm -hmm. the, the project... The, the 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 profit margins tend to be off the hook, and when you look at that, the fact that that's Hamada's you know mo, it goes to show you like a, a, another reason why Henry is entering these negotiations kind of on the wrong footing. You're speaking to a studio that's now run by a guy who's looking to keep costs low, and you're asking for a raise. You know what I mean? Like it's just it, it's it's not a good fit. It's not a good match. And you know it's that's again he's overplaying his hand. And I hate to say that because again, just like you, I want Henry back. Mm -hmm. I think he can be a great Superman with the right script and the right director. But right now he's walking into a situation where they're they're trying to cut costs. They're trying to be as responsible with their budgets and everything as possible. And we can't be having someone come in throwing around their weight and acting like they're worth more than they really are.
So like he has to really assess the situation. He's not coming into this on the strongest footing. He's sort of limping into these negotiations. And he's and meanwhile, he thinks he's walking in with his chest puffed out and you know, walking in with his held held high, with his head held high. And it's like, no, you're not in that position of strength. You're just not. Do you I'll let's do a quick round table and I'll start with Kyle. Kyle, do you think that Henry deserves the pay raise in the crew? the creative control for the, uh, another couple films of Superman. My gut is saying no. But, but your heart is saying yes? I, I, I mean, <laughs> if if it was confirmed that Henry's coming back, like 100% it's happening, I'd be like, alright, sweet. Cool, I love Henry. He, he is my Superman. You know, like I said, it's a generational thing that, that he is my Superman. But if News broke out and was like, hey, he's not coming back. I'm not going to be heartbroken about it. I mean, he had a chance. But he's your Superman. I know, but he had a chance. And if he's if he's being too stingy in the negotiations, well, that's business. Mario, do you think he deserves... Don't... don't what? It's hard to... You know, it's a hard <laughs> question to ask you. Because I know you know what's been going on behind the scenes, but take off your, you know, Revengers, your elf fanboy podcast, <laughs> and let's just look at it as a fan of the character. What do you think? Does he deserve it? I would say yes. I feel like he's so passionate about the role. He has such a clear vision and such wonderful ideas for where he'd like to take it. And I totally can relate to the fact that he doesn't want to feel helpless and powerless anymore. He wants to feel like, listen, this is my character. I want to make him my own. And if I'm going to be able to do that, I need to be able to say, no, this script does not work. I can't. This is not a proper representation of Superman. So I feel like, yes, he, they should give him what he wants. They need consistency right now, too. With everything that's going on, they're going to lose Affleck. And there's a lot of things that are sort of up in the air right now as they're still trying to as they're still trying to figure out what they're keeping from the existing canon and what they're retconning and what they're changing and everything. You know, right now, having him there is going to help give the impression that things aren't as uneasy and as unstable as they probably are. So I feel like, you know what, guys? Bite the bullet, Warner Brothers. Give the man what he wants and, you know, just deal with it. I, I think that, 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 is my, that is my take on it. I say yes as well. I know the business side of it is important, but if if you weren't losing Affleck, I would be like, fuck yeah, I don't give a shit. But since you're losing Batman, you you act and losing Superman too, you know, the other foundation of you know the DC cinematic universe or the world of DC, whatever it is now. I don't know. I keep I can't keep up to it. Um <laughs> I say yes because, and that since you're losing Affleck, if you weren't losing Affleck, I'd be like, you know, let you know wherever the dice you know land when you roll, that is what it is. But when you lose a character, you know, an actor like Ben Affleck, who doesn't want to do these films anymore, who you know he's done, blah 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 blah. I think business just to save face. You know, like what there's a new Superman and a new Batman. I just think you just kind of, you know, like like you said, Mario, bite the bullet. Um, where like one more question, then we'll get on to the you know the meat of our podcast. Uh, where does Christopher McQuarrie, director of Mission Impossible Six, Mission Impossible Fallout, where yeah. what does what does him at, where does he have any? trying to think of a way to well, I mean, it, he factors in if that's yeah that's what I'm like yeah. where does he fit into this equation i have a feeling that one of the other reasons that negotiations have temporarily stalled and that people are saying that warner brothers is paying very close attention to how mission impossible fallout does is because they're not just watching henry they're watching macquarie and they want to see can this guy make a blockbuster? Can this guy deliver a film that's you know that's a hit that people that people love that critics love and that is just you know a runaway success? Because from from what I've gathered, he really one of the reasons Henry wants to say is because he wants Macquarie to be his guy. 
And as he approaches these negotiations, he's got a story in mind that he wants to tell. He's already mentioned that he wants to borrow elements from uh, For Tomorrow, Superman For Tomorrow. And he's got, he's already revealed that him and Macquarie have kicked around story ideas while on the set of Mission Impossible. And Macquarie has already responded in kind, saying, "Hey, listen, Warner Brothers knows how to reach me." And he's all he's dropped all kinds of hints that he would consider it. So I think part of this is like Henry is has almost made it like a package deal. Like, listen, I want you to sign me, and I want Christopher McQuarrie to be my director, and I want our our script to be sort of based on a Superman for tomorrow, and it's kind of like a package deal. I think that's part of the process, too, and that's one of the other reasons why Warner Brothers is paying such close attention to Fallout. So could, I do think McQuarrie's part of the equation, for sure. Could Tom Cruise also play? Because he would be an amazing Metallo or Brainiac. I'm just going to throw it out there. Could he be – could – could he be a part of this package deal? I mean, listen, Macquarie and, and Cruz have an unbelievable connection to the point where, like, Cruz has been bringing Macquarie onto all of his projects for years now. You know, when he was doing The Mummy and he realized The Mummy's going to suck, he at least brought in Macquarie to do a polish of the script. And in Mission Impossible, in that franchise, in case you haven't noticed, every film has always had a different director. Macquarie is the first director that repeats on the Mission Impossible franchise, and that's because Cruz loves him and trusts him that implicitly. So if Macquarie and Cruz got on the same page and, you know, I could totally see Cruz being involved, and oh my goodness, that would be unbelievable if they can get him as Brainiac. I mean, it would bring to mind what happened with the first Superman when they went, when they shot for the stars, and they got Gene Hackman. You got to understand, Gene Hackman was a Hollywood legend who you would never imagine seeing in a comic book movie, and, and they got him to play Lex Luthor, and they got Marlon Brando. Like it would hark back to that. So if they could land Tom Cruise to come in there as Brainiac or even like a rebooted or maybe people always said like maybe there's an older Lex Luthor. If they wanted to retcon Jesse Eisenberg as that's his son, but there's a real Lex, you shave Tom's head and bring him on as the real Lex Luthor and people's heads would fall off. You know, reveal him to be the abusive dad of Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor and that would be unbelievable. You know, so, yeah, listen, I, I think it could work. Macquarie and Cruz have been like a package deal who who really you trust and, and, and work together constantly for the last like almost 10 years. If you look at Reacher and the two Mission Impossibles and, and um, Edge of Tomorrow and Mummy. So I totally could see Cruz factoring into this somehow. I, I honestly maybe maybe that's kind of like if if Henry Cavill wanted to sweeten this pot, just be like, you know, I want to bring out, you know, Christopher <laughs> McQuarrie. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, asking Tom Cruise if he wanted to play like a villain, you know, because I know I know there's I feel like there's some interest between McQuarrie and Cruise for uh, GL. Yeah, but yeah, I've been saying for a long time, I'd love to see him as Metallo or Brainiac. You know how awesome would that? I feel like he like he'd be a better Metallo, but I feel like you gotta go Brainiac in the in the sequel. You have to, you know you you have to have that. Yeah, you have to have that. So you know because you're gonna have Lex Luthor. You know Justin Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor. I, I love to see him. I, I would love to see his shaved head. You know he Tom Cruise is a little nutty. I'll say that, and I'd love to yeah. see you know him go full full on nuts. We Full saw disclosure. It. Oh, I'm sorry, keep going. It's your show. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I liked him in Tropic Thunder. I can see yep. him as you know as that. But go ahead, Mario. No, I was just gonna say, like you know, when it comes to Metallo, I personally, as a Superman fan, have always thought of him as more of a mini boss, not like the main guy. To me, he just seems like. You know, we get it. You're a big robot with a kryptonite heart and whatever. But, like, I feel like I would love to see, you know, Brainiac all the way. Metallo, for me, I don't think can anchor a film as the lead only primary protagonist. That's just me. But what if, what if Tom Cruise would play the Eradicator? Boom! Ooh. <laughs> see, now you're talking my language. The Eradicator yeah. to me is far more interesting than, uh, than Metallo. And so, then yeah. you, you get into that, you know, the, 
you know, the rebirth of Superman. You could you could have, you know, Cyborg Superman. You could have, you know, Steel. You could have all those and Eradicator and Superboy. I love me some Eradicator. Um, but I think that's going to be it on the Superman talk because we have, like, a whole other half a podcast to talk about Know Your Batman article that just, Ooh. you know, jumped out out of, like, nowhere. Yeah. Where were you? He was going nowhere. Straight up boondock saints that. <laughs> um, so let's talk the broad strokes of your article. Like, sure. for those who have not read it, there was, you know, you had, at the end of it, you had uh, Jack Houston apparently uh, met with uh, Mr. Matt Reeves about the Batman to play Batman. So let's let's jump into that. Sure, sure. Well, you know what's interesting? So back around the time that the Jake Gyllenhaal thing came to light, one of the other big questions was who else did he meet with? You know, I heard that there were basically there were three main candidates, people he met with who he was very keen on, who he sat and met, talked about his ideas and was interested in casting as the new Batman. From those meetings emerged Jake Gyllenhaal as the front runner. And I was so curious, who else were the other ones? You know, we heard rumors. Is it John Hamm or whatever? I heard the John Hamm thing was literally just a fan campaign. That that was never Matt Reeves' intention. But Sorry, guys. Jack, <laughs> but Jack Houston has emerged as one of the other three that he met with, or I should say one of the other two. So now I want to find who the third is, by the way. But now we know it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Now we know it's Jack Houston. Now we have the mystery third. Now what's interesting, the, the, the connection I found is I find it somewhat telling of the kind of actor that Reeves is looking for that both um, Houston and Gyllenhaal have certain key characteristics they share in common. They're both in their mid-30s. You know, Gyllenhaal is 37. Houston is 35. They're both roughly the same height. Gyllenhaal is a six-footer, or, no, or Gyllenhaal is 5'11", and Houston is six feet. So it goes to show you that he's not looking necessarily for a big dude because Ben Affleck is big. Big, you know, Ben Affleck is like what six three, six four. You know, he was taller than Superman. I saw him even... in the shower too. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not your traditional Batman because usually Batman, I think, is more supposed to be more like a six footer, and Superman is supposed to have a few inches on him. But Snyder cast a big, you know, burly man as his Batman. And I find it interesting that Reeves seems to almost be thinking about Batman in almost like the the Michael Keaton mold. Like he doesn't mind if he's shorter and whatever. It's more about the, you know his acting chops. It's more about how he fits the story. So to me, that's sort of revealing. And what I remember at that time was one of the reasons that my one of my sources did not want to reveal who the actors who the other actors were was that they could end up in another role. And now that I'm hearing that Reeves wants to go younger with Batman and that a guy who's 35 or 37 is pretty much aged out of what he wants this new Batman to be because we're going more towards – there's not going to be an origin story, but he does want a younger Batman, which I know totally you know depresses you, Justin, and we can get to that in a second. But now that – now that he wants a younger Batman, Houston may be up for another role. You know, I've heard people say maybe he's up for Harvey Dent. You know, and people think, yeah, and, and Harvey Dent, I'm told, is definitely in the script. I don't believe it's in his two face form, but we're, you know, Harvey Dent does factor in. And amongst his big sort of, um, this is another part of the story, is one of his other inspirations for what he's working on is the book Year One, which of course everyone lost their minds about. Because year one was also an influence on Batman Begins and people started flipping out like a they automatically assume it's going to be another origin story. They automatically assumed, oh, is this going to be like a remake of Batman Begins? We've already been there, done that, this, this and that. And I later had to clarify that like, yes, year one is one of the the influence I keep hearing, but that doesn't mean he's adapting year one. That doesn't mean that it's going to be that story all over again, that it's an origin, and that it's going to borrow all these story beats that Batman Begins also uh, borrowed from. It could just be as simple as it's about a younger Batman, It's a and it's more of like a hard-boiled detective story than your average Batman story. And, you know, it, it just – people read so much into the year one thing that I had to clarify. And mind you, there are other books – 
There are other storylines that Reeves is set to be mining, which include um, Batman Year Zero, you know, the, the Year Zero story, Zero Year. Sorry, yeah, Zero Year. The Zero Year storyline, and oh no, I'm blanking out. I already said it. Dark Victory. That's the one. Dark Victory is another one. You know, Reeves is looking at a bunch of different things. Year, I only name dropped Year One because I heard it from three different people. That yeah, people are comparing it to Year One, but it is not by a long shot the only story he's you know pulling from. And at the end of the day, he's making an original movie. It's in a completely original tale, not an adaptation of any one story. So people read way too much into the Year One reference. But um, I'm sorry, you asked about Jack Houston, and I just spoke for about 17 minutes. No, no, no you're so. good. I, that, no, that's that's great. I wanted you to you know hit those broad strokes because I forgot the year the year one thing, you know, because yeah. a couple of weeks ago, you know, I you know I was hearing that they were trying to you know tell a younger Batman story, and I said I do not want Batman in it. I don't want another you know. I know that they're not trying to go origin. I but I you know from you know from what Mark Hughes and your you know, article, they are trying to go younger. They're, mm-hmm. they're, and that's one of the reasons why Hall is more than likely not going to get the role. Just yeah, he's 37. Like- By the time they film, he'd be 38. It's just, you know, th- this sort of retroactively answers the question of how he ended up in Spider-Man Far From Home instead of Batman, because people were so confused as to like, wait a minute. And you were the front runner for Batman. Why are you doing Spider-Man now? And it's because as Reeves has brainstormed and now that he has full creative control over this project, he decided he wanted to go younger. So therefore, mm-hmm. Hall is no longer a viable option. Right. And so I, I posted on Twitter and I got crucified for it. I'd much rather see Batman in his prime. Uh, you know, and I understand that he wants to, you know, tell his tale and everything. I'm just... At this point, I'm tired of the Batman who is in his first, second, third year. I want to see the character service in a way where he's been doing it for more than, you know, more than three or four years, but he hasn't been doing it for 20, where we see him at the top of his game and he has to face off against, you know, the, the Batman rogues gallery at the top of their game. And what's interesting about all this stuff is now where does... Because I had heard that that Joaquin Phoenix was going to somehow maybe play a role in a future Matt Reeves Batman film. But I don't know how that works now well, if they're going to go back and tell more of a younger Batman story. Well, if I can clarify that, you know, we have a mutual friend, Mr. Mark Hughes. And it was Mr. Mark Hughes who mentioned the whole idea of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker possibly crossing streams. But when I spoke with him about this, he clarified that that was his like speculation and that it's something that someone who's not necessarily connected to the project at Warner Brothers who said this. It was more just like they were freestyling. They were just kind of like thinking, oh, it would be interesting if, you know, if this Joaquin Phoenix Joker is a huge hit and fans love him and they're clamoring for him, then maybe we could eventually find a way to cross streams and have the Joaquin Joker become the main Joker alongside the Reeves Batman. But that is not, like to be clear, that is not the plan. The plan really is to have the Joaquin movie be on its own island, be its own standalone story, and they are not setting this up so he could be Joker for the foreseeable future and to eventually face whoever this new Batman is. As cool as that would be, by the way. Because I think it's interesting that both films could, in theory, be period pieces. And if you look at the decades they're covering, you could see how, like, hmm, this could be interesting if they did decide. Because what the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie will be will, is reportedly set in the 80s. And in terms of this Batman movie, if they are going to go back 15 or as much as 20 years, what does that mean? That means that this movie takes place in the 90s, the Batman movie. So in theory, you have this young Batman you know, coming into a Gotham that has a veteran Joker already in play. And that's one of the, you know, that's one of the big evils that he has to eventually face. So, of course, I think that would be awesome. And there, there could be some synergy there, but there really is no reason to believe that that's the plan. Because the reason that that hit the web was because Mark was just sort of speculating based on someone else at Warner Brothers, basically speculating, but they weren't someone who's involved with this project. 
it was just kind of like, this would be cool, wouldn't it? You know? Right. And Kyle, jump in, take over. All very interesting points. But um, as far as the discussion going between uh, whether or not we'd want to see a younger Batman or Batman as prime, I'm personally fine with either way. I, I'm just excited about seeing a fresh take on Batman again. I mean, I, I, I'd still love Affleck and I still love Snyder's version on the character and all that. But it's always exciting to see something there happen. Uh, if I had to, if I had a preference, though, I'm probably lean with Justin. I'd rather see Batman as Prime. I just feel like we're still, even though it's been over ten years, I, Batman Begins still feels fresh to me. Like it, it hasn't been that long since we got. It's been it's, it's, it's been thirteen years. 13 Isn't that crazy? Years. Yeah, but it still feels so new, so fresh. Um, like that to me, it's still like the definitive early years Batman. Like it's his first years Batman. It's not necessarily based off of year one, even though there's definitely inspirations here and there. It, it's not a retelling of year one. It's just a different take on the concept. Um, but yeah, like kind of go, kind of going back, you know, what if this ends up being a younger Batman in the, the early stages, you know, that, there's definitely a lot of possibilities there. Get, a, get an opportunity to get all of these new characters reintroduced, uh, obviously potentially linked to, the new Joker that's coming out and all that. And it's all very exciting possibilities, but I personally, I'm just ha happy with whichever way they end up going with it. Well, what if I blow I, both your minds right now? Blow it. I'm so glad you're sitting down. <laughs> um, listen to this. What if it's both? What if it's both a young Batman and a Batman who's in his prime? Well, that's now, what. You know, but hear me out, though. Hang on. Because there is a theory. I, I forget. Honestly, I, I've been having so many conversations about this. I forget what's coming from people on the inside and what's just from fellow you know, commentators like us. But there is a – I forget now. But there's a theory that what's happening in year one uh, – year one. There I go. Slip of the tongue. What's happening in the Reeves Batman movie is that – it's not that he's new, but this is the first time he's facing a larger-than-life rogue, like the one that you know, like the ones we're accustomed to, like your Riddlers or Jokers or Penguins or anyone like that. So, in theory, he could be a Batman who's been on the job, who's like you know, for only like for three or four years, but up until now, he's only been dealing with low-level thugs and mobsters, like your Carmine Falcones, those types. And this film is about the first time that he deals with that one psychopath who just takes it to that next level. To sort of borrow from the themes of the Nolan movies, that first bit of escalation, that first person now who like – now they realize they have to step their game up because there's a Batman in Gotham. So they can't just be you know, your average criminal. They have to be something bigger, something better. Which, which so in theory – it could be both. It could be a Batman who's been around, who's younger, who's been around three or four years honing his skills and becoming this dominant presence in Gotham. But he's facing the first of his huge, you know, unbelievable rogues who's ready to test him the hardest he's ever been tested and where the stakes are sky high. So, you know, both could happen. Yeah, when you know, which is which, what is what I'm hoping for. You know, a couple months back when I heard that they were going to be, you know, trying to get zero year, like elements from zero year, which is a Riddler story where he, you know, kind of hijacks Gotham City, and he and he's always, you know, you know, one step ahead of Batman in that story. I got really excited because that means that they're going to be using the Riddler. I really do want to see that take more so than, you know, a dark victory. As much as I love, for me, it goes long Halloween, then dark victory, then year one. Uh, zero years up there. It's not the reason I don't put it up there with, uh, with those greats is because it's still so fresh for me. It hasn't been there with me for, you know, for, you know, as long as long Halloween, dark victory, but it's still a great, it's the best Riddler story. Um, and what I'm hoping for going forward with zero year, if they do, you know, is really give a definitive telling of the Riddler story 
and give a really definitive telling of Batman really taking him out and using his smarts. Because if this is a detective story, he has to do detective work to thwart the Riddler. So it, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful. But like when, when I read your report, I said, here, what? No, don't do it. We've seen it. But I'm, I'm still excited for it. It's a Batman movie. You know, what's got me really starting to get jazzed up about this whole thing is no casting. When you put that, you know, he had met with Jack Houston. I was like, I can dig. I mean, I still, you know, Jack, Jake Gyllenhaal is still my guy. I know that's, that they're going to be going with, you know, someone much younger because Mark Hughes' uh, report yesterday, you know, that I believe he, he mentioned that they really want to do something they want to go for someone who looks younger or hit, who is younger. So that's interesting. And I don't have we all read his, you know, top ten or ten people who would play Batman. Did we all get a chance to look I have at that? Not. So let me just give you some give you some names. Okay, number one, Jack O'Connell. Two, Lucas Hedges. Now this is this is not his numbering. This is I'm just reading it in in order that he has it. Uh, Lucas Hedges, Joe Dempsey. Jesse Williams, Ansel Edgar. If you remember Baby Driver, he was the Baby yeah, Driver. Yeah, I, I know Ansel. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, didn't wasn't he in Avengers: Age of Ultron? Yeah, yeah and he was also in Kickass. He's, he he knows his way around a comic book adaptation. Uh, Sam Claffin. I don't know who that is. Ot Fag Benelli, Army Hammer, Toby Kebbell. So of this list, really no one is kind of jumping out at me. However, you know, one of our one of our fans, uh, Jonathan Brady, uh, asked us to. Talk well, you know, he's not just one of our fans; he's a contributor to RevengeOfTheFans.com. Oh, is he? My Ooh. site, yes. He's a top of the line writer. That Jonathan is beautiful. So Jonathan Brady asked us to talk about Jack O'Connell. Now, yesterday, I posted a photo of Jack O'Connell. And Bruce Wayne from Zero Year. <laughs> they have a very similar resemblance. So let's let's talk about Jack O'Connell. He right now, as it sits, of this list, he's the one who really stands out for me. I know a lot of people want Army Hammer. However, no pun intended, his acting's kind of hammy. So, <laughs> um, I just I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and I've just have not been convinced that he can play. He can get into that dark, menacing creature. Well, you know who thought he could? George Miller did, because he already cast him as Batman back when he was making Justice League Mortal. I so... know, but did you see that suit? <laughs> well, that's not his fault. Come on. So what What I am digging of Jack O'Connell, um, he was in an amazing film, Hell or High Water, um, 71. He was in Unbroken. He is 27, I believe. He is a very intense actor. And what I also like about him is he's 5'8", the same height as Michael Keaton. So, Kyle, oh, yeah. take, take, give us some feedback on this uh, on this Jack O'Connell actor. Let's say that he, he's the front he, runner. Let's just say it. He may be a front runner. Hypothetically, if he was... He he really does have that new fifty two Bruce Wayne look. I'll I'll give you that. If that's the route they want to go, like a zero year new fifty two route, then uh, he got the looks. I'm not familiar with his actual work though. Like I don't think I've ever seen a movie or a TV series he's been in from my memory. Uh, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but I'm always willing to give someone a chance if they can come out of nowhere and surprise me. Then I'm all for it. He needs to put on some muscle mass, though, yo. <laughs> that's that's number one. Well, Michael Keaton uh, didn't. Uh, uh, do the Keaton comparison. I was gonna say, yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, the, you can't go from Ben Affleck's, you know, being like the biggest thing, and then just have like some little redhead as Batman. I'm sorry, Jack. <laughs> so I I don't know. Can, can we get Rupert Grant? You know. Oh just, come on. <laughs> So what 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 are your thoughts, Mario? Because you know Jonathan really wanted to kind of like dive into him. Yeah, as... I'm like you know I I see it. I see why people would say that. I saw when you sent me those pictures of him and and the zero year. Oh, what is it? Was it what, what version of Bruce was that? That's so that's from zero year. Yeah, so that's yeah. like 
when he is like super, super. Yeah, he's kind of got like a buzz cut and whatever, and he's young. Like you know, I I totally see it. I get it. I know. I mean, I I've never personally seen anything he's been in, but I remember reading the rave reviews about his performance in Unbreakable and all the different things Angelina Jolie had him go through and this, this, and that. So I see it. I get it, but it doesn't necessarily light my fires. You know, for me, it's. You know, I, I'm actually firmly in the Army Hammer camp, as you might have noticed when I jumped down your throat for mm-hmm. saying he might not have the chops. But, you know, it. I have some other choices I would think of. Like, believe it or not, if, if we're going to go – if we don't mind dudes who are 5'8", um, I would actually give Kit Harrington a call. You know, Jon Snow from oh, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah. imagine Jon Snow as freaking Batman. You know what I mean? So if we're gonna, you know, if we're okay with dudes who are five eight or five nine, then I go Kit Harrington. Um, but I'm mainly, I'm an Army Hammer guy myself. Oh, that'd be so badass! <laughs> I love that. All right. Oh, <laughs> like fuck everyone else. Get him as Batman. Ah, <laughs> uh, now I feel good. All right, good. I'm glad. I mean, doesn't really have the chin, but he could definitely, you know, do some steroids and he'd be there. Yeah, he 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 can you know, inject his chin with a little something. something. <laughs> he is a great actor, and I love him in the Game of Thrones. And we know he can do like the dark and conflicted and the brooding and having the all the pressure of a family legacy. And you know, we know he can totally like rise up to the occasion. So I, I would, you know, Harrington. If 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 I if I can't get Hammer, then Harrington's my guy. Is it? Is there something weird about them having? Last names with that start with H. Is that yeah, I thought of that too. As I said it, I'm like, what is this? But yeah, <sighs> Bruce Hayne. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about those, you know, I just I saw. Okay, so I've seen a lot of Army Hammer. I really like him in the Henry Cavill film, whatever that spy movie. I never can remember what that is. What's that spy movie? I don't remember. Man from Uncle. There you go. But I remember him from the Clint Eastwood movie that he did, uh, Jay Edgar, and he was god awful in that film. So I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah, that movie is one of the biggest snooze fests I've ever seen. I can't believe, and it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know another name I've seen kicked around. Not, not that I think he's on anyone's short lists, but like there's like another famous uh, Twitter scooper who I was speaking to about this, and he pitched Taron Egerton. You know, uh, the guy from Kingsman, the guy from this upcoming Robin Hood, and he's another one who's like five nine. And if we're looking at Munchkins, but I mean, he's got a pretty good chin. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he, jaw, whatever. And he was pretty good in Kingsman. And I feel like, you know, I don't know. So there's some thought that he's Warner great. Brothers he, would consider him. He's but great. But to me, he looks he, tiny. He he needs to be Rob. Or Jason yeah, Todd. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Can he be just Jason Todd? He'd be a great Wolverine. But that's the thing, though. But hang on, but that's the thing. Then that's where you bump into trouble with casting these little dudes. Because if Taron Egerton is 5'9", and he's like the same height or, or an inch taller on Batman, and we're talking about these 5'8 dudes, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a mismatch. If you're going to have Taron Egerton, you need a guy who is like 6'3 to be Batman. You know what I mean? But don't you think, like, visually, you need Batman needs to be bigger than Robin? That's fine. You can just do a Lord of the Rings camera perspective trick on it. It's <laughs> oh, fine. God. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just there. No one right now is like really screaming Batman. There hasn't been like Jake Gyllenhaal for me was the guy. Now that they're they really, you know, Matt really wants to tell, you know, a younger version of the character, which I'm cool with. I just man, I really would have loved to have seen Gyllenhaal finally get his hero role. You know, yeah. he was almost Spider Man. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal could be a great Superman though. Oh, no, 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 no. Keep him away. No, absolutely not. Okay, so who's going to be your Superman if Henry Cavill leaves? Oh, that's the thing. I've got no one. (laughs) I hate to say it. You know what it is? Because Superman is incredibly hard to cast. He really is. Because he has to have this strange combination of being an action hero, but also being like 
a sweet, kind-hearted person. You have to have like gentle, friendly eyes. You need to feel like you're the friend and the neighbor who can be there to help. You you can't just be full-blooded badass. And you also can't be a total like soft, sweet pushover. So you need to find an actor who like A is like at least 6'2 to 6'4 who has the kind eyes and the friendly demeanor who could also be intimidating and powerful when the, when the, when the, you know, when, when the time comes and that's why he's hard to cast. That's why Henry Cavill, I think, you know, he's one of those rare breeds where he can sort of encompass all of those qualities. As I've been thinking these last couple of days, as, as I've grown more and more pessimistic about our chances of seeing Cavill back, I've been racking my brain. For like, all right, well, who would I even offer up as an alternative? And I've literally got no one. Why couldn't you know, Army Hammer be Superman? To me, he doesn't have that kindness factor. He always seems a little smug or a little dark or a little just like condescending in his own way. And he, to me, he doesn't have like the gentle demeanor. Like Superman needs to seem like a guy who's just nice. Because he has the power to flick you across the planet Earth if he wants, but he always chooses not to. He has to be a nice guy who you trust, who exudes compassion and kindness and patience. And if you're someone who seems like a bit of a dick, then I don't think you can play Batman, uh, play Superman. And Army always seems like he has a little bit of a darker edge to him. He's always, I don't know, that's just from what I've seen him in, I don't see that purity of heart that I would want for my Superman. So I honestly don't have an answer. And I, I, I'm sorry if that's anticlimactic, but I really, I've been thinking long and hard. I've been thinking about all the different TV shows I watch, if there's any actors who I could picture. And it's it's really tough. I, I can't think of a good Superman other than Henry right now. Neither can I. So I'm like scrolling through. I was like, who would play it? You know, Matthew, Matthew Good? I don't know. There's not, there's really not anyone he Henry Cavill just looks and is the part of you know Superman. I so. mean, you know the one person I thought of, but again, he's tiny, and he would need like a proper dye job and everything because he's a blonde. But I was I was I put a lot of thought into this idea of a guy who who just seems intrinsically kind and has like piercing blue eyes. And I actually thought about this actor. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but like Max. Theorot, the riot. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was on Bates Motel and he played Norman's brother. And he has these, you know, piercing blue eyes. And in that in that role, he was able to play a guy who's like who can be tough and strong and and you know and mysterious and intimidating, but also at the end of the day has a heart of gold. And to me, but but then, but he's like five eleven, and I don't know, and and you would have to put on some muscle mass. So if you look him up, Max, and then the last name is like T H I E R O T or something like that. We're we're already um, there. You're already there. Yeah. You know, he's someone who I could see acting wise being able to pull it off. But again, he would have to bulk up. He'd have to dye his hair. He'd have to shave his face because he always kind of has this scruffy look about him. But he's the closest I could come to with all my brainstorming as to someone who I think could nail those those difficult qualities that it takes to exude Superman. Like I said, there 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 no one is screaming Batman, no one's screaming Superman. Yeah. So there we're kind of like, well, hopefully whatever does happen is for the benefit of the character. I really ho- do hope, you know, to bring it full so- circle that Henry remains in the role they yep. just say, screw it, whatever, we'll give you what you That's want. That's one of the other reasons why I'm like, when you asked before, like, you know, would I give him what he asked for? Absolutely. Because like, I think it, I think it's really hard to find a guy who can pull off Superman. And here we have a guy. So let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's give him what he wants. And let's let, you know, let, let's give him a script and a director that inspires him. Cause I think he's one of the few out there who could absolutely nail this. I agree. I just, just do it. Just give him Christopher McQuarrie. I think that, you know, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping Matt Reeves would fall out of Batman and Christopher McQuarrie would take over. So <laughs> I know that's not going to happen. You're a, so you're, you're a Reeves hater. You. This is three I'm podcasts. 
No, this is three in a row. I, every time I've come on your show, at some point or other, it becomes fuck Matt Reeves. It, it just I've never does. said that. I just I just think that, you know, as much as I love Donald of the Planet of the Apes and how badly War of the Planet of the Apes underperformed, I'm just still not sold. Like, yes, War of the Planet of the Apes, you know, was a good – it's a good – film there's some issues i have with you know cgi looks great but it was such a i'm not gonna say a letdown or disappointment but it wasn't the compared to dawn which is like like the highest caliber that he's done i love you know the other things he's done i'm just still not sold until i see like you know what his batmobile looks like until i see what his you know, his plans are, you know, I posted the other day on Twitter, some things I do want to see Matt Reeves do. I want him to shoot, you know, on location. I want him to shoot in IMAX and I want to see a Gothic Gotham. If he does those three things, then you got me. That's all I'm asking for. You don't have to cast the guy that I want to be Batman. You don't have to do that. Just deliver those three things and I'm good. So wait a minute. I, wait a minute. What? Yeah, I'm still brainstorming my 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 Superman actor. Okay. And just to totally just kind of like before we exit this topic or possibly wrap things up, uh, I'm trying to find his name real quick. Hang on. Yes. Okay. This is a bit of a long shot, but based on his work in the Netflix series Mindhunter, a part of me makes me think that perhaps Jonathan Groff, J-R-O-F-F, I could possibly see a bulked up Jonathan Groff uh, pulling off a good Superman. I'm just going to put that out there. If you look I'm, at the very, I'm, you I'm see it now. Hold on. If you go to like Google Images, the very first image when you look for Jonathan Groff looks very Superman. I can literally see it. Go, go to Google. The very first image of him in that black shirt, and he he looks he looks Superman ish to me in that. I'm sorry to cut you off. I know you were on a Matt Reeves Batman thing, <laughs> but I'm literally racking my brain about Superman stuff because it's been bugging me. And Groff, especially if you watch Mindhunter, he has this kind nature and this strong internal life. And I would totally be down for, for him for what it's worth. He's got something. there. I'm looking at his eyes. He's got Batman's eyes, though. <laughs> well, if you see Mindhunter, he doesn't really have like the dark and brooding thing. He seems much more like a kind, nice guy next door type deal. So I'm sorry. Keep, keep going. It's your show. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was going to say that was it. I mean, what three things do, are you? I think we've, I've asked this every time you come on, Mario. What, right. Kyle, what three things do you want to see, Mario? What three things do you want to see from Matt Reeves, the Batman? I already said my piece. You know, those three things. Shoot in the real world. Shoot in IMAX. Give me Gothic Gop. Hmm. Kyle, you go next. The three things that I would love to see the most. would I'd love to see the world definitely feel. Make it feel like a lived-in, fleshed-out world. Don't make it just feel like it's set. Uh, so, obviously, like what Justin was saying, having the on-location shooting definitely helps in that. But, like, I want, I want to get this sense that there's so much more that we're not seeing in this movie or this movie or whatever. And I, I know people get annoyed by that. And, you know, people just like, Oh, they're just, they're just throwing stuff in there, you know, little crumbs to have so they lead into this other project down the line. No, it doesn't have to be like that. It just, just give me the sense of man, this is so rich. There's, there's so much here. I want to see more. I want to see these deleted scenes. I want to see what we're missing here. That's not already in the movie, but you know, that, that that's going to be going on my own little tangent there. <laughs> um, I I would also love to see IMAX being embraced by Matt Reeves. I love the IMAX format, and I kind of get why so few directors really go for that. It's expensive, hard to shoot. And it, it's terrible. It's terrible in the last night. As you see, Transformers: The Last Night, it is like going back and forth like the entire movie. I heard about the aspect I, ratios. Yeah, <laughs> it it's so bad. I heard there's like. 15 different formats used throughout the movie or something like that. I was trying to watch it on Hulu the other night and I turned it off. I was like, no, stop it. Oh God. Um, but mo above all else, the, the one thing I want to see most from 
the Matt Reeves Batman is I just want to see the his vision actually fulfilled. I don't want to see this movie come out and, you know, maybe there's drama about any sort of uh, interference that happens behind the scenes. stuff. I, I just want to see it come out and be like, oh, yep, this is very Matt Reeves. This is Matt Reeves' vision fulfilled. He got exactly what he wanted. Even if I may not actually like it, I just want to make sure he got to make the movie he wanted to make. Okay. My three things are, so, you know, we we always talk about the whole detective angle, right? We want a detective noir movie, or that's what Reeves is making, and that excites a lot of fans. And to take that a step further, like, I want a Bruce who has, like, a Sherlock Holmes-level IQ. I want a Bruce who's just a master at solving, you know, uh, puzzles and, and and putting clues together and just like he's dedicated himself to the point where he can think about things that no one else can think of when he comes to the scene he can play out all these different scenarios in his head and he's just yeah i, I want that sherlock holmes level iq in my detective batman i also want to i i want to i want the uh, a, a robin quotient involved with this it's been a long time since we've seen robin you know done in a film the last time was freaking Batman and Robin with, you know, and, and we know how that turned out and Batman forever before it, you know, which were fine. You know, they served their purposes and whatever they were campy. They were this, but they were also sort of the end of an era because once those came out, you know, we they had to reboot. It was so campy and crappy. I want to see a brand new sort of Robin dynamic where he, you know, you almost play on the psychological elements of Bruce doesn't want to let anyone in. And here's this young kid kid who's sort of making him almost have to go back on all the different ways in which he's tried to protect himself, you know, emotionally speaking. So I want to see, I, I want the Robin element to factor in, even if it's towards the end of the film, or there's like just a minor subplot that they're setting up for a later sequel, where there's this kid who's following him around trying to do what he does. And ultimately he starts finding out more about this kid. And then we develop Batman for part two of this. So I want Sherlock level IQ. I want Robin involved, and I want a Joker who's dark. Oh, no, not a Joker, a Riddler who's dark and twisted, and reminds me of John Doe from Seven. I want a Riddler with a twisted sense of mystery and mischief who tries to make Batman solve these dark, awful puzzles and riddles, trying to find him. So you give me those three things and I'll just do backflips for 17 years. Um, so there you go. Sherlock level IQ detective, introduce the Robin quotient and give me a dark, scary, mysterious Riddler. And uh, that, 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 that that's my ideal Batman movie. Before we let you go, did we talk about Jack Houston enough? I mean, Jack O'Connell. <laughs> I, I think Jonathan has been I, will be plenty uh, satisfied by what we've covered on Jack. Considering Kyle and I have never seen his work, I think we've covered him as much as we possibly could. So unless you've Justin, unless you've seen his work enough that you have he's some, a he's a fantastic. Insights. He's fantastic in anything he does. He may he he might may, may be as good as Christian Bale. As as just Whoa. an actor, like he's that good. So that's some bold words right there. He is the, that like he is a fantastic actor. I will say that. So that's gonna be it for this episode. Uh, Mario, where can we find you on social media? You can find me over on the Twitter. My handle is I underscore M underscore MFR. I am the host of my own solo podcast called The Fanboy Podcast, which you can find it at The Fanboy Pod. I'm also a co-host with two others on a, a roundtable type show called The Revengers Pod. And you can find me on a daily basis at my main uh, at my website. I'm the editor in chief of RevengeOfTheFans.com, a place for uh, you know for breaking news and and rumors and analysis on all your favorite geek topics. So that's how you can find me. Awesome! Thank you again, Mario, for being on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. I can't come. I can't wait to come back for my my fourth or fifth time next time. <laughs>